0: Welcome back to the Rare Disorders Digest, focusing on thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura, TTP. In episode 4 today, Dr. Yap and I will be discussing case studies highlighting the diagnosis and treatment of ITTP and CTTP. Welcome back again, Dr. Yap. Hello, nice to be back. Dr. Yap, in a previous episode, we talked about how diagnosis for TTP is often challenging and complicated. Could you share with us some of your real-world experience when it comes to diagnosing TTP?
1: Right now, I'd like to share a case which I have seen. It is a 25-year-old female, previously well, had a COVID vaccine three months prior. However, she presented with spontaneous bruising over her limbs over the past three days, together with epitexis. But otherwise, she is well, with no neurological symptoms. When she came in, she was afebrile. Her vital signs were normal. Her white blood cells was 6.7, hemoglobin was 12 grams per deciliter. However, her platelet is severely low at 14,000. The heptoglobin was low, the LDH was elevated, but the bilirubin was not raised. Her coag profile was completely normal and her liver function tests were also normal. Her direct Coombs test was actually positive for IgG at 3+, and... Her peripheral blood smear shows there was 5% of schizocytes or fragmented cells. So, with this, it raises a possibility of whether this patient has TTP, although she does not fulfill most of the criteria. Adam TS-13 was actually sent off and it came back as 20%. But the, there was no antibodies to Adam TS-13 being detected. So, therefore, in this case... The question is whether this is TTP. The plasmic score was also done for this patient. It shows that the plasmic score is also 3, which is in the low possibility or probability of TTP as well. In this case, the ADAM TS13 assay, although I said in the previous episode, may help in the diagnosis, we also must use other clinical features. To help in the diagnosis of this, the plasmic score is helpful. In this case, it shows a low probability. At the same time, the clinical features and the medical history is not suggestive of TTP. As the therapeutic plasma exchange was not started for this patient, she played well. There was no neurological symptoms. Her renal function continued to remain normal. She had no fever and... At the same time, over the next few days, looking at her blood film, there was no microangiopathic hemolytic anemia picture on the blood film. Eventually, after a few days, she was diagnosed with Evans syndrome, which is characterized by patients with uh, autoimmune hemolytic anemia and thrombocytopenia, and she responded very well to steroids. So, henceforth, in this case, I think it illustrates the need that one test as I mentioned earlier, although we should try to have the ts 13 assay and detection of the TS autoantibody, it is also important to take into fully the clinical picture of the patient so that we do not expose patients to
0: unnecessary treatment. Thank you for sharing those diagnostic ITTP challenges with us, Dr. Yap. We also previously discussed how it's important to personalise therapeutic approaches based on an accurate diagnosis. Could you tell us more, please, about the challenges you've been presented with in your clinical practice?
1: I have uh, treated several TTPs, and each patient with ITTP presents with different challenges. This is just one case which was challenging to manage. It's a 52-year-old lady with a past medical history of two previous caesarean sections for normal pregnancy. She also has iron deficiency anemia, secondary to heavy menstrual bleeds and our previous hemi She came to us in the emergency department with complaints of headaches for four days and fever for a day's duration. On examination, she was febrile. Her vital signs were thankfully quite normal. However, her total weight was normal at six, hemoglobin was low at eight, and the platelet count was markedly reduced at 19,000. Her reticulocytes were also elevated with absolute reticulocytes of more than 230. Her peripheral blood film classically shows that of schizocytes and that of a microangiopathic hemolytic anemia picture. Her coag profile was normal. Her renal function shows there was a mildly elevated or mild impairment in her renal function. And the lactic dehydrogenase level, or LDH, was markedly elevated at over 1,000. So over the next few days, uh, she underwent um, therapeutic plasma exchange. At the same time, uh, she was also started on steroids as a first-line therapy. Unfortunately, she did not respond well to the steroids. She did not, uh, her count still remained very low, her platelet count, as we use platelet as one of the markers of whether she's responding to it. And once we reduce her therapeutic plasma exchange, her platelet count starts to fall. Henceforth, we needed to give her rituximab as well. And at the same time, because she is not responding very well, we started her with IV vincristine once a week for four weeks. And at the same time... Because her platelet count remains low, she remains very unwell, we also gave IVIG as one of the treatments of choice at 0.4 grams per kilo per day for five days. In this case, we can see that this patient, in spite of what I said earlier, we have to individualize the treatment of the patient because although we gave her the standard treatment, which is immunosuppression and therapeutic plasma exchange, if a patient does not respond well, we will really need to give alternative or more immunosuppression in a bid to remove the autoantibodies. It would be ideal if we had caplacizumab in the past, but new treatments and new therapies are coming online. And with this, I'm sure that these challenging cases will be easier to manage and we are be able to better individualize the treatment for patients. In conclusion, I hope that I'm able to present to the listeners real life settings on the management of ITTP. The first case illustrating the challenges and things that we need to be careful about while diagnosing ITTP, and in the second case, challenges in management of ITTP in a real world setting. At the same time, I hope that this rare disease podcast has helped the listeners improve the knowledge of this rare disease of TTP.
0: Thank you, Dr. Yap, for those case studies. And thank you for joining us on the TTP special of the Rare Disorders Digest. You've provided us with some great insights and we hope to have you back on future episodes. You've been listening to the Rare Disorders Digest, brought to you in association with Takeda Pharmaceuticals Asia Pacific. This concludes our feature on TTP. Follow and subscribe to receive updates on future episodes.